This episode of The Startup Life is brought to you by People Ready. Startup Nation, you have a lot on your plate. The last thing you need to stress about is finding quality staff or the available work you need to be successful. Save time and headache by working with a trusted staffing partner that meets your everyday needs. People Ready is a national staffing provider with over 600 locations across the country and 30 plus years of experience serving people just like you. They specialize in a variety of industries including retail, manufacturing, logistics, general cleaning, hospitality, construction, and more. People Ready understands that you're busy and on the go. That's where their mobile app, JobStack, comes in. Use the app to place orders or find work 24-7 or wherever you are. And as social distancing continues to change the way we interact with customers, colleagues, and our everyday lives, JobStack provides the ability to find the right temporary workers or work you need while eliminating the amount of physical touch points needed in the staffing process. Visit PeopleReady.com forward slash Startup Life to learn more about how you can partner with PeopleReady. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, anytime there's like a, a economic downturn or the economy is kind of stalled, there's always a great time for professional development, sharpening the saw as we like to say. And our next guest is definitely a person you want to uh, have in your uh, entrepreneurial roundtable, if you will, to help you do just that. He is a nationally recognized speaker, author, and business coach. He founded Performance Breakthrough in 2007 to help mid-sized companies achieve dramatic business growth by working with leadership teams to ensure that they have the right people, strategies, and execution habits for growth. Throughout his career, he has worked with the, the likes of Verizon, Disney, Polo Ralph Lauren, Chanel, Dillard's, Liz Claiborne, and Levi Strauss. He is also the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Breakthrough Leadership Team, Strengthening the Heart and Soul of Your Company. He is Mike Goldman. Mike, how's it going, my man? It's going great, Dominic. Thanks for having me today. No worries. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the startup nation today? I am absolutely ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. So if you would, please, sir, just kind of share with us your your origin story, your background a little bit, if you would. Yeah. I, well, I've spent the last 30 years in, in coaching and consulting. And, and the first half of my career, right, right off the bus from uh, undergraduate went to work at a uh, probably still the biggest management consulting firm out there, a company called Accenture, if you've heard of it. Oh, yeah. Spent a lot of time at Accenture, then went to Deloitte Consulting. First half of my career was consulting. If you weren't a multi-billion dollar Fortune 500 company, uh, we wouldn't even look at you. Those are the kinds of companies we worked with. And, gotcha. and I learned a lot. It was it was a good career. Notice I use that word good and not great. It was right. a good career, um, but something was missing. Uh, you know, I just didn't feel like I was having the impact I wanted to have. Didn't feel like I was really leveraging my strengths and doing the work I wanted to do. So I made a really, really 
gutsy, tough decision, uh, you know, uh, halfway through my, my 30 year career and said, you know what, mm-hmm. uh, I got some money put away. I- I'm going to do my own thing and, and started my own company, uh, doing coaching, not consulting. And in my mind, those are two very, very different things. We gotcha. wish we could talk more about if you want sure, to, but doing absolutely. coaching, working more with small and mid market companies where I could really have an impact. Um, and, and really, you know, the, the philosophy behind what I do is that, uh, you know, I believe retirement should be a dirty word. My, my grandfather, uh, was the best man I knew growing up. He was kind of my idol. And I remember he, he was driving a cab until his mid seventies and he couldn't see real and real well anymore. And he lost his job and was quote unquote retired and spent the next three years sitting on the couch uh, wasting away and, and passed away. And I thought, why would anybody want to retire? I see what that looks like. I, I want to do something I love my whole life. So in, in my company, uh, you know, what I focus on is, is that philosophy of retirement ought to be a dirty word. I want to impact as many people as possible to feel fulfilled by what they do for a living. And the way I do that, as opposed to going out and trying to work with a hundred thousand different people to help them feel fulfilled, what I do is I work with leadership teams gotcha. uh, to coach those leadership teams to great, create great companies where people want to come to work every day and, and a look at that word retirement is a dirty word. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Quick follow up, man. Tell me a little bit more about your grandpa, man, because you said you kind of looked up to him. And stuff like that. Kind of tell a little bit more about him. Yeah, the, I, I, pre, I appreciate you asking me that. So my grandfather was, uh, I grew up in uh, the Bronx in New York. I'm in New Jersey now. And gotcha. my grandparents, we, we lived on the sixth floor of an apartment building. And my grandparents lived on the fifth floor. And my grandfather was, uh, you know, had more pride than I've ever seen in his family. Amazing guy, real blue collar guy, um, worked his butt off his whole life. Uh, and just w- was such a, a strong man and would protect us no matter what. Um, and just growing up, he was just somebody I looked at as, as man, if, if I could one day have the pride in my family that he has, if I could one day say I worked as hard as he worked, then, man, that's all, all the success I need. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask that because I think a lot of times, you know, when we – you know, look at our parents or grandparents, you know, they, they kind of help mold our values and, and the way we go about our career or even our businesses uh, for that matter. So that's why I wanted to ask you, and I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Thanks for asking. No worries. No worries. So I, I want to ask you this, you know, with everything going on, you know, COVID-19, we're all kind of experiencing a little like a new normal, if you will. Right. Uh, you know, or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So I guess I'm curious, how are you navigating this thing, both professionally and personally? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and the way I look at it, and this is, by the way, the way I'm coaching my, my clients to look at sure. it, is I keep saying, you know what, uh, 12 months from now, I want to look back on this and say, you know what, that, that was horrible. You know, that was a really bad time. I don't ever want right. to do that again. Right. Um, but, and, and, and I feel real weird saying this, but man, if that didn't happen, I never would have taken my business in this direction and mm. had what I have today. Right. And that's what I want to do. I'm using this. So, you know, I, I, I struggled, you know, I, I just launched my book late April and I really struggled with whether that was the right time to launch the book. I said, mm-hmm. man, everybody needs this message, but 
man, is there a worse time to, to launch a book? And, and I wanted that book to launch me doing a whole bunch more public speaking and no one's doing public speaking anymore. You know, it's just webinars over the web. So, so I looked at that and I said, well, you know, people need this message now, so I'm going to launch it. And I had to pivot. And I'm not just saying, you know, let, let me, let me uh, you know, curl up in the corner and try and survive until we get to normal again. And I don't think we ever get back to normal. Whatever normal was, we're not getting back there again. Right. Uh, so instead of huddling up in the corner and saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just try to survive until we get out of this. I said, no, no, no. I'm going to, when, when, you know, let's not let this crisis go to waste. <laughs> and, and I'm going to figure out a way to thrive. So I know for me, I'm taking this and saying, you know what, I'm going to take my book and I'm going to create an online course based on my book because I think people are going to be more open today than they've ever been to learn stuff online versus thinking they've got to be there live. I'm going to do more with my clients virtually. I'm normally in there in the in the boardroom with them, you know, every month or every quarter working with the leadership team. Well, I'm using a lot of new tools to do that online. So I'm pivoting my business in a way that I that I know is going to make me much, much stronger on the other side of all this. And that's the same advice I'm giving to my clients. Let's not say surviving is, is that, that that's that's BS. I don't want to just survive. Let's right. figure out how to take this and thrive on the other side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And clearly people are being receptive to your message, Mike, because Startup Nation Breakthrough Leadership, the book he's referring to, Breakthrough Leadership Team has 25 five star uh, book reviews on Amazon. So clearly, you know, people are resonating uh, with your message. So let's kind of dive into the book uh, if we could, Mike. So kind of talk to me about, you know, what made you what prompted you uh, to write this book and why do you think you know, Breakthrough Leadership Team is a great book to have in your entrepreneurial toolkit, considering everything going on. Yeah, the, you know, I've been working exclusively in this, you know, second half of my career, having my coaching firm, I exclusively work with leadership teams. And what I have found is that the leadership team is the key to having a strong, sustainable company. Now, that that sounds like, of course, it's motherhood and apple pie. Right. That's not the way people think. People think, if I've got a problem closing sales, well, that's a problem with my sales team. If I'm having a problem with you know, clients uh, you know, not retaining my clients, well, that must be a customer service right. issue. Right. And, and people go to the symptoms. And what I've found is when you go to the symptoms, you could fix fix some things temporarily. But man, the root of all of your success or the root of all your challenges is the leadership team. And I don't care whether you're just starting out and it's you, you and a few people around a kitchen table or whether you've got a, you know, half a billion dollar business and you've got a more structured team. It's about the leadership team. And the more I see that, especially, you know, in this environment, as we go through a crisis, what I'm seeing is those companies with, with strong, resilient leadership teams are getting through this and doing really, really well. The companies without strong leaderships are really struggling. So I looked at that and I said, you know, I work with leadership teams every day. That's the key. People, you know, underestimate the power of that leadership team. Strong leader thinks if they've got a great idea, they could white knuckle it and make it happen. And they can't. You can't have a sustainably great company without a great leadership team. So I've been working with leadership teams for, you know, 15 plus years to help them with this. So 
I put together the book and, uh, you know, talked about, uh, you know, what, what a, what, what I, what I call a breakthrough leadership team, you know, what does that result in? A breakthrough leadership team is going to result in consistent top and bottom line growth. It's going to be a growing, growing, fulfilling environment for employees. So like I said, uh, retirement's a dirty word, you know, and they're adding real value to society. And, and the book is all about what you have to do as a breakthrough leadership team in order to see those kinds of results consistently. Absolutely. And, and you actually, you know, and I appreciate you sharing that. And you actually open up uh, in the book with that, seeing that the leadership team is kind of like the heart and soul of the company or the heart of the company, if you will. Uh, and, and I think that's just so true. But I want to ask you this, when it comes to that leadership team, and this is something that you that you, you know, uh, uh, coach and consult with uh, your clients and stuff like that as far as like getting the right people on that leadership team, which provides the, the, per, the you know, a great culture for the company overall. Kind of talk about how you go about uh, putting together a, a leadership team. Like what, what are you looking for? What are those those assets, those intangibles that you're looking for to put a, together a great leadership team, Mike? Yeah, I think it starts out with, you know, very simply, you need you need a team of A players. And, and when I say that, again, don't take it lightly. There are people that, that believe if I've got a bunch of real superstars, I could have a B player right. or even a C player on a leadership team. And you cannot because that cascades down through the rest of the organization. A players hire other A players. B players hire C players. Right? right. And I know that right. math doesn't work because I'm not sure in there who's hiring the B players. Right. But but. <laughs> You know, if you've got a B or a C player on the leadership team, that problem's going to cascade down. So number one, what I talk about in the book is how you go about finding and keeping those A players on the leadership team. And how do you define what an A player is? Now, it's not just a matter of getting a bunch of superstars. Those folks need to master self-leadership. Because if you can't lead yourself, especially in this crisis kind of environment, if you can't lead yourself, good luck leading anybody else. So it's a team of A players. They've got to master self-leadership. They've got to be proactive about how they structure the leadership team. Most leadership teams I see, you know, they may have a VP of sales and marketing. And then at some point, things start to fall through the cracks and they say, you know what? We need to hire a VP of marketing and we need to separate out sales and marketing. But they only realize that when things are falling through the cracks. What I talk about in the book is how you could you, you, you create a growth plan out, 12 quarters, and use that plan to proactively structure your leadership team so you could deal with those problems before they happen. You need to create the right culture on the leadership team. And that's one we ought to dig. I'll leave it high level for now, but we ought to dig into culture, but you've got to have an, an inspiring culture, a collaborative culture on your leadership team. So in the book, I talk about how to do that. You've got to execute every day with discipline and accountability. And then lastly, and maybe most importantly, because if you don't have this, the rest of it's all going to fall flat. You've got to be developing and improving every day as a leadership team. That means two things. Developing and improving means you've got to be learning and growing as a leadership team, as individuals and as a group. And you also have to be, as CEO or as members of the leadership team, you've got to be assessing 
the members of the leadership team right. and making sure that you're taking care of your A players, you're coaching the heck out of your B players so they become A's, and you're sending your C players off to go work for the competition. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask a quick uh, follow-up, Mike, because in the book, you know, because you, you talked about self-leadership because you can't, you know, if that is not in place, you can't really lead anybody else, which is so important. Uh, but in the book, you talk about, uh, you know, some of the symptoms of poor self-leadership, you know, and two of them that really stuck out to me was the first one was you blame others. And the other was reminded me of a certain Disney's mo- Disney movie, uh, but being afraid to let it go. Right. And so I'm, I'm curious <laughs> about um I'm I'm curious about, you know, because the, the especially the blame others thing, like we see that a lot, right? Like so be, so many people think, you know, and you said this in the book, so many people think like their job is to blank put blame on people when things go wrong. So kind of talk about those two things, uh putting blame on others and being afraid to let stuff go. Yeah, so so starting with with blame, there's a difference between blame and responsibility. Fair enough. And, you know, you, when you blame others, what I talk about in the book is something called the locus of control. And there's the locus is just a fancy word for center, center of control. And you can have either an internal locus of control, which means I'm in control of my life, or you can have an external locus of control, which says I'm not in control. It's, it's all about things that happen to me. Well, if you have an external locus of control, which means you might say, man, my, my people, you know, they keep coming to me with the same questions over and over again, and I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. That's an external locus of control. You're blaming your people. You might say, man, my customers are so unforgiving. Every time we make the smallest mistake, they, you know, they, they get all mad, they take off and leave and go to the competition. What's wrong with my customers? That's an external locus of control. You cannot fix those problems. As long as the problem's outside of you, you can't fix it. You need to turn it into an internal locus of control. So instead of saying, what's wrong with my team? They keep coming back to me with the same questions. An internal locus of control is now I take responsibility. And I say, huh, how can I do a better job of communicating with my team so that they understand it the first time? Or instead of saying, what's wrong with my customers? They're so unforgiving. An internal locus of control says, I wonder what I can do in working with my customers to create a stronger relationship so that they'll feel more more loyal and feel like they're getting more value. Because life is all about focus, right? If you focus on all the stuff that's happening to you, that's going to end in frustration. Right. You've got it. You've got it. And again, it doesn't mean you're to blame necessarily. I mean, I go through this with when my kids were growing up. It's not about blame. It's about taking responsibility. Right. It's not whose fault is it. It's I don't care whose fault it is. I've got to take responsibility for my own life. It's like that. I'm looking up on my corkboard over my desk. You've, you've most of you uh, startup nation. You guys have heard the the serenity prayer. Mm-hmm. Serenity prayer is, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, right. the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's what we're talking about. So life is about focus. Your focus equals your results. So if you focus on you taking responsibility, you've got a chance to get the results you want. So that, that's the, the, you know, the, the not blaming other piece, that, that symptom 
of self-leadership. The second one, right. uh, re- remind me, Dominic, what was the second one you the, wanted me to cover? The second one I, I was curious about, being afraid to let stuff go. Yeah, being afraid to let stuff So, So most businesses start off, and, and some of you listening may be in exactly this position. Most businesses start off you know, around a dining room table with an idea right? and you're just white knuckling through it. And then you say, Oh, you know, maybe I could have my friend Joe come in and help. Oh, we got to hire somebody else. And, and you become this leader white knuckling through it. And you got a bunch of helpers around you and you know, you can do it better yourself than they can. So it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. They don't grow. Right. Because you're doing all the hard stuff, and then after several months, you're complaining that you're the only one can do that can do the hard stuff, and nobody's helping you. Right. So at some point, you you've got to you've got to loosen your grip on that steering wheel, so you're not white knuckling it anymore, and you've got to start to trust the others around you. And that may mean they're going to make some mistakes along the way. I mean, that's the price you got to pay, but you have to get to a point. You got to kind of fake it till you make it here, but you got to get to a point where they're, they're better than you at doing what you do. And it may not start off that way. I remember, you know, uh, uh, you know, way back actually in between consulting and coaching for a couple of years, I had a, a staffing and recruiting firm and before it was true, if I had uh, a client asking me questions about filling a certain position, we were trying to help them them staff. Right. I would say, you know what? If I talk to you about it, I'm just going to screw it up. Let me put Kim on the phone. She knows this better than I do. And I give them to Kim. Now, that wasn't true when I first started saying that. I right. knew it better than Kim did. Right. But in time, Kim learned it better than I did. And my clients went directly to her. So I had to fake that for a while. But you've got to trust and let go because you, your company is going to be limited by your brain power. Uh, if you don't do that, and man, you don't want your company limited by by any one person's brain power, even your own. Absolutely. And I think that's a very uh, powerful piece you just talked about, Mike, because that's super important because we, we've talked to many people, you know, who, who are startup founders. And they say that, like, look, man, like the best sometimes the best thing for your company is, is to let stuff go, even if that means for you to leave the company. But in this instance, it's more so kind of like like you just said, like. Not one person should be limited in the company, even if it's the startup founder. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, you've got to get to a point where, and this is where, you know, going from Fortune 500s to the small and mid-market companies, I feel like I could have a bigger impact. Right. Is there are times I start working with, with the CEO and they're building their leadership team and I'm helping them craft that leadership team. And they haven't taken a, a vacation in 10 years mm. in building the company. Right. Now all of a sudden they build a team around them and they're a little hesitant, but they go, you know what, I'm going away for a week. First time, but I'm going away for a week because I think I've got the team. And they come back and the company's better than before they left. Right. And that's your goal. Your goal is at some point you want to say, man, I'm not sure I'm adding the kind of value. I, I guess I need to learn and grow because these guys are running faster than I am. Right. Man, that's that that's a little bit of a hit to your ego. Right. But that's a beautiful position to be in. Absolutely. Absolutely. It reminds me of the Warren Buffett quote, you know, a great company is one your idiot brother can run. So I definitely understand that. Yeah, but please please don't hire your idiot. Of brother. course not. Of course not. <laughs> of course not, for sure. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to uh Mike Goldman, the, the author of Breakthrough Leadership Team. Uh if you're interested in purchasing that book, Startup Nation, we have a link in the show 
show notes if you're listening to the replay uh, on the podcast. But you can also get that uh, on Amazon or any of the favorite places you like to purchase uh, books. And another story in the uh, book, Mike, that you talk about is the story of the founder of the container store, Kip Tyndall. And he's, he has a, a great philosophy when it comes to higher employees, uh, basically the one equals three model, basically one great employee equals three good employees. Kind of talk about that a little bit and why that's important, you know, in building that great employee base and culture. Yeah, that, that's probably, probably my favorite business philosophy Absolutely. is that one equals three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that the biggest challenge, I not only did I use my 30 years of experience to write this book, but I also interviewed a number of CEOs. And when I interviewed the CEOs, uh, one of the questions I, and by the way, these, I only interviewed really successful CEOs with really strong leadership teams. Gotcha. I wanted to find out the right way to do it, not the wrong way to do it. Right. And I asked each of them, what was the biggest mistake they made? And all, each of them, all of them except one had the same mistake. It was amazing. And they said it was keeping the wrong person on the mm. leadership team too long. Gotcha. And that gets back to this one equals three philosophy because what happens is, and this is something I really have to stress with my clients, people are willing to keep a B or a C player around because a man, that's a difficult conversation to have, you know, B, Oh, I think I can just coach him a little bit more. Right. Right. But also it's, well, yeah, they're not doing a good job, but, but, but if I let them go, if I cut the cord, if I send them off to go work for the competition, now I'm going to be short staffed. Right. And, and this one equals three philosophy is beautiful, especially at a, at a leadership level. Cause I'm like, look, if you, if you're, if you're getting rid of a toxic C player, then not only is the person you replace them with, if you go out there and, and hire an A player, and I got some advice in the book on, on how to go out there and find an A player, right. not only are you going to find someone who is at least three times as productive, because by the way, this one equals three philosophy, it's for everybody in a company. I would argue when you're at the leadership team level, it may be one equals 10 or one equals 15 mm-hmm. because, because of the cascading effect down the organization. So if you cut the cord on this C player, and hire someone who's an A player, you're going to see 10x, potentially 10x productivity gains there. And by the way, even, and this amazes me, even before they hire the person's replacement, they still think they're short-staffed, but when they, and this just happened at one of my clients who lost one of their VPs who'd been there for 20 years, Mm. and they finally decided this person was toxic, and they had to, to, to lose her from the team, everybody else around that person became more productive mm. and they're still going to fill that role, but productivity actually went up by losing that person. Wow. And that's incredible. I've never once, right. I have this philosophy that I didn't make up. I, you know, m- most of what I learned, I just stole from somebody else. And there's a philosophy and I don't remember who said it, but right. I stole it, which is, you know, fire fast, hire slow. Right. right. And, and most companies do the opposite. You know, they just take forever to, to let somebody go, and then they're short-staffed, so they rush to hire somebody new. Right, right. And it's it's just crazy. You've got to do the opposite of that. So this one equals three philosophy is really at the 
foundation of, of a lot of what I do. I have each of my leadership teams assess their, the CEO assesses the leadership team and the direct, and, and the, the leadership team assesses their direct reports every quarter. They look at who their A, B, and C players are, and we've got specific plans for what are they doing to absolutely take care of their A players, make sure they never leave. What are they doing to coach their B players to become A's? And for the C players, I tell them, you got, you got 90 days to either coach them and fix the problem mm-hmm. or cut the cord and send them off to go work for the competition. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing that. You know, in, in, in that answer, you know, I, I'm always, you know, uh, no, interested because a lot of times we see where you hire somebody, right? And you, fi- you know, that, you know, th- th- they're not the great fit. Like, you know, you try, you try to coach them up, you try to do whatever you can and it just doesn't work. And I, I see a lot of times where people are, are, you know, hard pressed to let that person go because it's a reflection on them. It's like by, by letting them go, you admit that like you made a mistake and people don't want to you know, kind of own up to that. So I see that as well, you know, a lot of times. Mike, do you see that too? I do. I, I see that. I mean, there are a lot, there are a lot of reasons. For sure. And, and let's for be sure. real. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say excuses, not reasons. Fair there are enough. a lot of excuses. Fair enough. And that's one of them. People say, oh, you know, she's been with the company 20 years. I feel some loyalty. It's like, well, do you feel more loyal to this one person than the other 50 who are suffering? There it is. Because she's still around. People are, uh, you know, we already talked about they're scared to be in short staff, but if you look at one equals three, you actually you gain productivity by losing that person. The other thing that happens is is people really are uncomfortable having those conversations. That's true. Right? I mean, some, some yeah, it is they, they, they don't want to look bad, but they're really – that's not an easy conversation to have it's to go not. tell somebody that their job is in danger or to tell, go tell somebody that it's done, you know, that you're coaching them out of the organization. But again, there, uh, I really uh, – it's so important. I put my clients on the spot there. Because they, they like to say, well, you know, I, I don't want them to feel bad and I'm worried how they're going to take it. Let's be honest. It's not about them. Right. It's about you. It's about how uncomfortable you feel having that conversation. Well, you know what? Get over it because you're hurting the organization. And by the way, you're hurting that person. I, I really believe I can see that, that yeah. everybody, everybody has the ability to be an A player somewhere. They may not, this person may not be a good fit for your organization. Maybe they're not living your core values. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they're a bad fit for your organization. By you keeping them around, you're, you're hurting them because they've got the ability to go be an A player somewhere else. For sure. For so, sure. so I really stress with my clients, one of the things I tell them, you know, we, we, we do these quarterly talent assessments and they don't like this when I first say it because it's me being uh, kind of a jerk on purpose. But I say, look, if you've got someone who's a C player, I ask them the question, are we coaching or cutting the cord? Right. And they say, well, I'm going to coach. And I say, great. Coaching is fine. Everybody deserves that coaching. These are human beings. They're not machines. Let's coach the person. But if we come back 90 days from now Mm. and that person is still a C player, and you still think they deserve more coaching, you might be the C player. Ooh. 
That's and that hits them right between the eyes because absolutely people deserve coaching. Right. But you better not be six, nine, 12 months saying the person's still a C player. They're still a toxic, toxic to the organization. But man, I'm still, I'm still going to coach him. You're kidding yourself. You're just avoiding that difficult conversation. Right. Thank you for sharing that. You know, when you talk about like sometimes people. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. The Startup Life is powered by Ladder. Startup Nation, as an entrepreneur, you are the engine that powers your business. We have had many entrepreneurs on the show, from those that play Division II basketball, quite a few Ironman participants, and even an NFL quarterback. And the one thing they all have in common is that they know getting early morning workout wins leads to business success for the day. However, it's super important what fuel you use for your workout to get that early morning success. And that's where Ladder comes in. Ladder is a sports nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party that is trusted by all major professional sports organizations, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more to verify the highest standards for quality, but more importantly, safety. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Personally, I like superfood greens. Not only does it include the most essential nutrients that are hard to get in your diet, like magnesium, zinc, B vitamins, vitamin D, they also included the Rodelio root, which helps keep you healthier when stress is high, but also it helps support immunity according to many studies. Use code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off at ladder.sport. So maybe you're not trying to be a four-time league MVP or a seven-time Mr. Olympia, but you still need the tools to elevate your health that elevates your business. So go with Ladder and prepare to get better every day. This episode of The Startup Life is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Startup Nation, Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, 
They work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. They deliver lasting results for millions of children, including those hardest to reach. They do whatever it takes for children every day and in times of crisis, transforming their lives and the future we share. Startup Nation, right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis in our lifetime. It threatens children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, we can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. Here are some ways your support can make a difference. For just $5, you can buy a baby's first book, providing comfort and inspiring lifelong learning. And for $25, you can serve a nutritious breakfast and lunch to five out-of-school children in need. And there's many other ways you can help support Startup Nation. So go to savethechildren.org slash savekids or www.savethechildren.org forward slash savekids. So if you're ready to make a difference, Startup Nation, remember, savethechildren.org. Make the change for children. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. There's not being, you know, they're not like a terrible, you know, player or whatever. They just may not be the great fit for them. You think it reminds me of sports all the time. We see that in sports all the time where players on one team and they're just like, oh man, we're just going to cut bait and they go to the next team and all of a sudden they start flourishing. And that happens in, in business as well. And I, I want to ask one more follow up before we continue because I think this is a very important point because you talk about that hard conversation, Mike, avoiding that hard conversation. So I imagine when you're talking to your clients, you kind of coach them on what that conversation should look like, what it should sound like, you know, having that, you know, uh, making sure you hit the correct points, but also having that level of respectability for that person and stuff like that. So if you would just kind of share with us in Startup Nation, what does that hard conversation sound like? Yeah, and, and it's a good question, and it's not one conversation. Fair enough. Right. The Fair challenge enough. is very, very often I'll talk to a CEO who's having a problem with their whatever, their VP of, of sales. And that problem has been going on for nine months or 12 months. And I say, well, what kind of coaching have you done? Well, I haven't really done anything yet. Well, that's the first problem, right? You need to give people immediate feedback. If someone is in a meeting and let's say, you know, one of your core values is all about, you know, collaboration and, and you're in a meeting and someone is, you know, and you've got a, a leader in that meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, or anybody in that meeting who's basically got the attitude of it's not my job, mm. right? And they're not collaborating. They're not getting involved. They're saying it's not my job. Right. Well, don't let that garbage build up for six months and then explode all over that poor person. Pull that person aside after the meeting and say, hey, I got to tell you, the way you behaved in there made me uncomfortable because it, you know, it's directly against what our core values are. Right. So let's talk a little bit about it, right? D deal with it before it's a major problem and it's got to be a difficult discussion. Have that small discussion. That is still might be difficult to have, but you're a leader, grow up, have that kind of discussion. So have those discussions so that you're, you're coaching that person, giving that feedback all along. So that if they keep 
doing that same thing that's hurting the organization. It makes it a lot easier to then pull them aside. Then it's a different kind of conversation. Instead of talking about one action in a meeting or one action, you know, with a client that you weren't happy about, then you get, you've got to ha- have the meeting where, where you say, you, you say, look, uh, let's schedule some time to talk. Cause there's something, something I've got to talk to you about that frankly, it's going to make us both a little uncomfortable, but we got to talk about it. So you got to start off by, by almost asking permission. I know as a leader, you don't need to ask permission to have a conversation with one of your team members, but, but do it in that way. It kind of breaks down that wall where, where the other person knows, Ooh, we're about to have a tough conversation. Right. As opposed to just whacking them between the eyes. And then you sit down and see, you say, look, here are the facts. Here's what I've seen. And based on what I've seen, here's my perception. My perception is, you know, you're not, uh, you know, you're not living the core values or my perception is you're not growing along with the organization or my perception is you are, you know, treating your team like third class citizens or, you know, whatever. So get permission to have that talk. Let them know it's going to be an uncomfortable one. Give them the facts. Then let them know your perception based on the facts. And then say, look, you know, here's what we need to do about it. And if what you need to do about it is is see if if you need to see some changes in them over the next 30 or 60 days, you need to tell them very specifically what you need to see. If, you know, if you've done that already and this is a difficult conversation, then you got to let them know they're not bad people but this is just not the right fit for them. And, you know, you're both going to be better off with them, you know, finding something else. I mean, that's a, that's a tough conversation to have. But I remember way back in another life having to have a conversation with a woman who, who was doing some, some real detailed customer service work for me. And it was really important that she dotted every I and crossed every T. Right. And she was the most ADD employee I ever had which was exactly the opposite of what I needed. She was all over the place, but she was the kind of person you can send into a room with 50 strangers and she would come out 10 minutes later with 25 best friends. She just had this knack of talking to people. She wasn't afraid of talking to anybody. Great personality. And I had to let her go, but I had what I would call a strengths-based firing where I said, look, you've got all of these strengths. You could be a great salesperson. You could be. You could do all these great things. That's not what I need. You're never going to be truly successful here. If you can find something to go leverage your strengths, you're, you're going to be able to do amazing things. And I'd love to see that. Now, I can't say she was happy that I let her go. Of course. But but I felt like I had to hold the mirror up to her. And, and I felt good about doing the right thing and sending her off to do some better things on in her career than she could have done you know, in the position she had working for me. For sure. For sure. And I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, a lot of times you, you clarified this earlier where it's not just one conversation and it should be multiple conversations, even like many conversations leading up to, you know, what could ultimately be that conversation about letting somebody go. So I appreciate you sharing that value. Uh, Mike, for sure. Once again, we're talking to Mike Goldman, the business coach, author, and speaker. Uh, and we were talking about his book, uh, Breakthrough Leadership Team, Strengthening the Heart and Soul of Your Company. If you want to purchase that book, Startup Nation, we have a link there in the show notes uh, for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. Or you can just get it if you're listening on radio. You can just get it wherever you get your favorite books 
uh, as well. So I want to talk about, you know, your company uh, a little bit, Mike, you know, so, you know, you do uh, coaching and and stuff like that. Just kind of walk me through uh, the services that you provide and things like that. Yeah. So I'm a leadership team coach. And, mm-hmm. and what that means is, and I say that because the word coach means so many different things. For sure. There are life coaches, business coaches, executive team coaches. Um, and, you know, I am, not not the coach that you're going to bring in, oh, I'm having a problem employee, you know, let's get the coach to come in and do gotcha. one-on-one coaching. I work exclusively with leadership teams. Gotcha. And, you know, specifically my clients are CEOs that, uh, that 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 have a leadership team or they're growing a leadership team, they are at some level frustrated that they're not growing fast enough or consistently enough or profitably enough. They want to create a great, fulfilling environment for their employees and their lifetime learners. Mm. Those are the, so, so my client are those types of CEOs, uh, and I work with, uh, with the CEO and the leadership team to help them create a, uh, a, a vision, a strategy, a plan for growth over the next, you know, three plus years. I help them put the, the, the execution habits in place so they've got the right disciplines to do what they say they're going to do every day and hold each other accountable. Right. They've got the right priorities. They're measuring the right things. They've got the right meeting rhythms. And I help them make sure they've got the right people in place with the right culture. So I do that by, you know, my, my relationship with my clients are long-term. I don't, I don't go in, go in, give them the red pill and everything is fixed. Right. This is kind of a never-ending process to get better and better, you know, as your company scales. So I work with the leadership team as a group. And then I always, in addition to that, work one-on-one with the CEO. Because I remember reading, you know, years ago, a book by John Maxwell. He talked about something called the law of the lid. Right. And the law of the lid basically says, uh, you know, as a company, uh, you're, you're not you're, you're not growing any faster than, than your leader is growing. So I know, and I've seen it over and over again, that if the same way I say, if a company's got a problem, you, you've got to look to the leadership team. If the leadership team is having a problem, you got to look to the CEO. So I need to make sure that my CEOs are learning and growing and they're coachable and they're challenging themselves uh, because if they're not doing that, then uh, the leadership team is going to have real problems. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask you this because we talked about this earlier. You were talking about the difference between coaching versus consulting. Kind of break that down for us a little bit, if you would, Mike. Yeah, I'll say real simply, I think as I feel like as a consultant for about 15 years when I was consulting, I needed to be smarter than my clients. Okay. So when I was a consultant, my, you know, you're expected to go in, analyze the situation and then say, here's a beautiful PowerPoint presentation with my 10 recommendations on, you know, exactly what you should do. So I went in and my expertise back then was I was all about kind of retail apparel and supply chain was my expertise back in my Accenture days and my Deloitte days. So I, I had to be smarter about those things than my clients across the table. Now, by the way, what that meant is when I gave them recommendations, who owned those recommendations? Well, I did. And if you own the recommendation, what are the chances your client's actually going to go implement them and implement them successfully? Probably not as high as you'd like them to be. So as a consultant, my job was to be smart and be kind of prescriptive. As a coach, my job is to be dumb. 
as a coach, I tell my clients, I am never, ever going to be smarter than you about your business. Okay. You're always going to know your business better than I do. What I do is I'm the coach asking the dumb questions. I'm the coach with the tools that help you see around the corner because I may not know your digital marketing business as well as you ever will, but I know what the obstacles are that get in the way of growth. I can help you see around the corner. I can help you pivot when you need to pivot. So so that's what coaching is all about. And I find coaching to me is so much more rewarding because when I get to be dumb and just, just ask the ask the dumb questions, it's what I'm doing is I'm bringing the best out of my clients, as opposed to me thinking I've got to be the best. Right. I'm bringing the best out of my clients. And when I do that and they come up with an answer or we and the leadership team come up with an answer together, now they own it. It's not some smart consultant that said, go do this. They own it, which means they are way, way more likely to go and implement it and make it happen and be truly successful. Absolutely. And, and I appreciate you sharing that because I imagine when you you do that, it feels more like uh, we got to listen to this consulting guy over here. And it feels more like he's you're kind of just more so guiding them as opposed to kind of telling them what to do. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I think a lot of people are kind of more receptive to that. Is that what you found as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. People are more receptive to it. I can't, you know, it's tough to, for me to admit from from way back in the, you know, late 80s and 90s in my consulting career. It's tough right. to admit how many beautiful strategy and planning PowerPoint presentations I created right. that for years sat on a shelf and gathered dust mm. because they weren't really implemented or they weren't fully implemented. Um, and we'd also kind of go in and do a project and, and then leave and expect that they were going to go do it. And as a coach, especially in the relationships I have, I actually become a part-time member of the executive team. Gotcha. And it feels great that I can do that with a number of clients. I feel like a part-time member of the executive team. And I'm there, I'll use your word, I'm there to guide them along the way. I'm not there to do it for them. I'm there to guide them and I'm there to help them bring out what, what, what they do best. For sure. For sure. You know, one of the things that I love in our conversation right now, Mike, is you bring this up and I've and I seen it in my prep and stuff like that. You are like this lifelong learner. You know, you, you, you said uh, on, your, on his website, Startup Nation, he says he often tells clients that if he hasn't gone 90 minutes without recommending a book, they should call 911 because he might be having a stroke. So I'm curious. <laughs> Curious about this because so clearly you read a lot of books, right? And one of the things that I, I love about entrepreneurs is that uh, not only are they continuous learners, but they're they're you know they're what that I like to call spiral learners, where they'll read a book now, and then ten years later they'll read that book and get a totally different meaning. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, uh, you know, did you probably do the same thing? What are the, some of those books that you probably, you know, recommend like rereading, like maybe after uh, some time has passed, right? Because like we all read books, right? And sometimes, like you said, they just we read them, we throw them up on a shelf and they collect us. But some books are so good, like, you know, you got to reread them uh, as well. You know, besides, you know, obviously Breakthrough Leadership Team is one of them. But what are some of those other books that uh, people should reread as well? Yeah, it's a great question. And the first, and of course, I'm thinking of which of the books that I've read five or six times. Gotcha. And the first one that comes to mind is Good to Great, gotcha. Jim Collins. Right. You know, to me, what, you know, that's one of the first questions I ask 
leadership teams when I work with them is, is I'll, I'll say something. And that, that book is typically one of the first two or three books that come up. And when I ask how many people have read that, when I have people on a leadership team that haven't read Good to Great, it always amazes me. Mm. Because to me, that's like the Bible. Of, of growing a company. So good to great is one of those that I love. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever read any Pat Lencioni, but I love his stuff. Okay. He's got a book called the five dysfunctions of a team. Okay. Which is, you know, unbelievable. So that's another one that, that I've probably read and listened to maybe a dozen times. Right. Um, so, you know, those are great. There's a book called who the a method for hiring which is written by a guy named Jeffrey Smart, which, and I, I referenced this book and, and a methodology called top grading that they use, you know, in my book, that's an amazing book to go and, and look at. Cause those are all books where, where you will read it and get something out of it. But then when, you know, three years later, when your business is in a different place, right? Exactly. You read it again and say, Oh my God. Right. You know, another last one I, I'll give you is there's a great book called, and I'm, I'm actually in my office and, and this one just caught the eye on my shelf. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I got to mention this one. There's a great book called Leadership and Self-Deception. Okay. Which is, and it's actually by a group called the, uh, uh, what's the name of the group? It's the, uh, the, the Arbinger group. Oh, okay. And, and that, that is a life changing book. That's going to change your perspective on how you view yourself versus other people. That. And that's like a massive idea of how you view yourself versus other people. And I won't even try and explain it, but man, if you haven't read that book, read it when you're done reading it, you're going to want to read it again. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that uh, uh, with us, Mike. I appreciate it. And startup nation. If Mike is somebody that you definitely want to kind of come in and talk to your leadership team, go to Mike, uh, hyphen Goldman, uh, com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you listen to the replay on uh, the podcast. Mike, I want to ask you this because as an entrepreneur, I know that I get inspired by other entrepreneurs all the time. And the other day, uh, yesterday, as of this recording, matter of fact, uh, we just saw the launch of SpaceX launching its, uh, you know, its uh, uh, internet, you know, uh, launching two astronauts into the International Space Station's the first uh, space mission we've seen in a couple of years. Uh, and everybody knows who Elon Musk is, right? And I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. You know, when you see other entrepreneurs who have these great feats like that, does that inspire you as well? And who are some of those entrepreneurs that inspire you? It absolutely inspires me. And, and, and the ones that inspire me, the ones that, you know, Startup Nation, you've probably never heard of. Because okay. the, the, the people that inspire me are, are the, the, the small and mid-market folks, the other coaches, the speakers. Fair enough. You know, I can remember when I first started coaching way back, I, I joined this coaching organization, <clears throat> and I walked into the room, and there were people talking on stage about the business they had built, and I was kind of new in my own business, and I thought, my God, I, how am I ever going to do what these guys do? And right. I found a couple of people. Actually, I found the coach I have today is still a coach I met back then who taught me the difference between coaching and consulting. And, and you know, I just had a conversation with him yesterday morning. I still talk to him a couple of times a month. And, and I just looked at those folks and I said, I don't see how I could ever do what they're doing. And frankly, it was a knock to my ego. I thought I, I thought I was pretty smart. And I walked in that room and said, oh, my God, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. And then three years later, I was the one up on stage. 
And it got to the point where I wasn't getting as much value. I joined a different coaching organization, one I'm actually still a part of today, <clears throat> that was light years ahead of where that one was. And again, I walked into the room and said, <clears throat> I don't think I could ever do right. what these people do. They're incredible. And, and now it's, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Now, seven years later. And again, I'm the one on stage and I'm still getting a ton of value, but now I'm the one on stage, but there's still folks I look up to. So it's, it's other folks around me. I always try and put myself in a position where I've got people around me who have done things I aspire to do. I'm looking to do a lot more public speaking right now. Gotcha. So I joined an organization called the National Speakers Association. Okay. And now that's the next room I walk in and I see these people. I go, my God, how could I ever do what they're doing? And and three years from now, I, my guess is I'm going to be on stage teaching other people doing how to do that. that. So I I'm always looking for that next dragon to slay, mm -hmm. and and sometimes I do that by you know reading books to figure out how to do the next things. But the most powerful thing for me is putting myself in situations, whether it's other coaches and other speakers that inspire me, or frankly working with really really talented CEOs as clients that challenge me to be better, that challenge me to say, man, how am I going to add? This team is so good. I hear that. How am I going to add value when I get back together with them? And it challenges me to get better. Those are the folks that inspire me. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that because, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, uh, we do kind of fall in love with like the Elon Muskers and, and the Jeff Bezos. But like when you talk about, you know, the people that maybe, you know, don't have like the fanfare, you know, I think that's important, you know, because they, they're out here doing the work as well. And, and that, you know, and, and honestly, they're like, you know, in the kind of the 1%, if you will, of people going willing to kind of go out on their own and kind of try to, you know, build something from nothing. So I can appreciate your answer, Mike, for sure. Thank you. No worries. No worries. So I, I want to ask you this because in your book, you, you talk about your son, Richie, and you explained it to kind of talk about, you know, some of the, you know, uh, the things you explained you know some of the uh things you teach in your business and stuff like that but i'm curious like what is something that richie has taught you uh you know that ha that has led to you know both professional uh you know development or even personal development yeah th thank you for asking that that's a <clears throat> it's a great question and it's an emotional one and for those that that haven't read the book uh, what Dominic is referring to is, you know, I tell a story uh, from when my son was, was 12 years old in the book, and he's now 25, by the way. So, gotcha. <clears throat> so the story was a while ago, but right. I tell the story about my son, and I won't go through the whole story, but my son has Asperger's syndrome. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a kind of a high-functioning uh, uh, version of, of autism. It's right. on that autism spectrum, but it's high-functioning. And I was, from the time I was a kid until, you know, being a dad, I was not the most patient person in the world. Mm. Um, and I would, I was kind of quick to anger and things had to be, if they weren't the way I wanted them to be, man, wh why weren't they that way? And, <clears throat> you know, my son, because he wasn't what I expected as a son, we weren't out in the backyard throwing the baseball around. Right. We weren't doing the things I thought a dad would do with his son because he was different. He wasn't right or wrong. He was different right. than what I expected. And that was a real tough pill to swallow. And frankly, I'll be honest and, and vulnerable. Uh, I, for the first bunch of years of his life, 
I was a pretty crappy dad because he wasn't what I wanted him to be. Gotcha. And, and I would get very frustrated by that. And, and what I realized when I, when I started coaching and I was, I was learning and growing as a coach, it hit me. I, I'm not a very religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person. I gotcha. do believe there's something going on out there. There's something bigger than us. There's a reason for what we go through. And I looked at it and I said, you know, I believe that, I have become a coach, which means I've got to learn and grow every single day. Mm-hmm. I've done that. It, it, you know, I, I, by doing that, it makes me a better father because I learn things I that. that I need to become a better father. And here's the kicker. The other way around is again, oh, then, you know, I, I wouldn't have planned to have, you know, a son with Asperger's and some of the issues he's gotten, by the way, he's a great 25 year old adult. We have a great, great relationship now, I but I learned things from him around patience and around how to communicate in some different ways. The idea of locus of control we talked about earlier, internal mm-hmm. versus external locus of control, I realized by, by changing my attitude about him. I hear that. It changed his behavior. I'm not going to change him. I'm not going to get rid of his Asperger's. I can't cure that. Right. But if I change my attitude about him, the world around me, including him, changes. So I believe he was put on this earth to teach me how to be a better person. I am such a better man, not just a better coach. I'm a better man because of that in learning patience and in, in learning to take responsibility and learning how my attitude impacts my actions. Uh, it's just made, made me a better coach and more than that, a, a better person. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate your vulnerability and transparency in that answer. I really do. So uh, I want to ask you this, Mike, because, you know, you know, we're starting to wrap up here. Once again, we're wrapping up with, with Mike Goldman. I want to ask you this, man. What's your entrepreneurial superpower and why? I think it, it's it's my passion for what I do and my ability to uh, pass that passion on to my leadership team. Gotcha. I mean, I have, when, when I work with clients, I, I, I work and we have full day meetings. We have two day meetings. And most people think two day meeting, how do you get through a two day meeting? I'm going to fall asleep halfway through the first day. <laughs> no one's falling asleep, gotcha. <laughs> you know, in a meeting. Right. The passion is incredible. So yeah, I think it's that passion for what I do and my, my, my ability to transfer that to them as well. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you, Mike Goldman, for coming on the show. You gave great value uh, that we definitely here at Startup Nation can kind of chew on. Once again, Startup Nation, the book is Breakthrough Leadership Team, Strengthening the Heart and Soul of Your Company. You can get uh, that book and wherever you get your favorite books. But if you're listening to the replay on the podcast, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access. Also, if you're looking to hire Mike uh, to kind of help coach your leadership team, go to mike-goldman.com. We have a link there in the show notes once again for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. Mike, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you, man, because, you know, given everything going on, man, people feel a little kind of down and feel a little discouraged in their businesses. We all know a lot of small businesses are hurting right now. Kind of give us some words of, of encouragement to take us on out for today. Yeah, the word I keep hearing over and over again is resilient. 
And I think that that may be the 2020 word is resilient. If I had a chance to write my book over again and retitle it, I may call it the resilient leadership team. Mm. So I think this is a time where you've got to be resilient. You've got to be able to deal with this crisis in a way that you're stronger on the other side. And in a way that when the next thing happens, whether it's a mortgage uh, crisis or a stock market bubble or a health issue or whatever it is, you've got to be resilient. You've got to create that resilient team on the other side. And one more thing, Dominic, I want to offer up to the listeners Absolutely. is if you go, if you go to breakthroughleadership.com, you will see not only a chance to learn a little bit more about the book, but there's a breakthrough leadership team assessment at breakthroughleadershipteam.com. You can take it's a free assessment. Uh, it is, uh, you know, 30 questions that help you assess your leadership team and figure out where you've got opportunities to get stronger. And that's an assessment I recommend, you know, I do with my clients every quarter. So we're learning and growing. But I want to make that offer that if you go to breakthroughleadershipteam.com, you can take that free assessment and get a sense of, of where you are and what you can do to be more resilient, what you can do to become more of a breakthrough leadership team. I hear that. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. And that's going to wrap up our time here on The Startup Life. Mike Goldman, thank you so much, my man. I really appreciate all the time and the value. And Startup Nation, as always, if you have an idea, be about that life, The Startup Life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on The Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.